Welcome to the C3 Church Podcast. Stay tuned for this week's message. I want to start with a story out of uh, 2 Kings chapter 7. So this morning we started with the book of Acts and talk about the, the great outpouring of the Holy Spirit, which was a huge boost to the start of the church. And God generally starts things with a huge boost. And then once you've gotten going, you generally are in cruise mode until you need a fresh boost. And at the start of a year, it's a really good time to get a jump start on the year. When we were a kid, we would, uh, we would have these jumper leads. I don't see them so much these days. You don't see cars really doing this, but if your battery went flat, you'd get one of your friends to come up and then put the, the jumper leads from their battery over to yours. And uh, once their car was going, you could wind up your car on their battery leads. And so tonight at the end of the service, I'm going to get all of our pastors who've got their engines revving and they're going to put out their two jumper leads their two arms amen and touch you boom you're going to get a jump start for the year <laughs> amen that's what the laying on of hands is all about i know god that was what it was a symbol of jump starting and uh and so you and i can actually get a kick from the power of the holy spirit coming into our lives but the kick isn't for the kick it's you don't get a jump started because of, whoa we got the motor started and then turn it off, you start it so that you can get going, so that you can move ahead. And the thing is, with, with anything getting started, you use high revs, low gears. So you're moving slow, but you've got a lot of fuel consumption, a lot of, a lot of revs, and then you change gear, and you're using less revs, less fuel consumption, but you're going faster. Then you change gear again, and you're going faster still, and even then you're... Lo- the revs, lessening the, the petrol consumption until you're finally in your top gear and you're cruising using a lot less revs, a lot less fuel consumption. And that's the ultimate purpose of getting going, of momentum. That once you've got momentum, it goes like you're cruising. Now to get a rocket off the earth, you know how much fuel they use on that rocket? All of it. To get it off the earth, because once they're in weightless outer space, they don't need any power at all. Just a little aerosol can psh, gets it going. There's no, no, no resistance in that place. And that's why when we worship in church, it's the same thing. We'll put the rocket fuel up front in that first song. He loves, he loves, singing that. And then we do a mid-range song, you know, uh, how great is that, singing that one. And then we come right, right in, because by that time, the plane has lifted the glider up into a less weight-filled zone, less resistance. And now you're just gliding. And you can sing, and I... But if we started the worship service like that, you're on the ground going bum 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 bum. And I am lost down here on the ground. Amen. So we gotta, you know, take us up and take us into heavenly places where you glide and you soar like an eagle. And that's the purpose of once you have momentum, it's easier to maintain it at a cruising speed at an altitude where you've been brought up high by a a shot. So church is like an impartation of power and also providing you with a guiding, uh, a, a, a track, a pathway to maintain that cruising altitude on. But I'm talking mostly here tonight about the start, the boost, because I watch some people who actually never make the start. 
because the start involves such a big decision. Everybody say big decision. You got to make a big decision sometimes to get started. Like I know guys who have, have gone for years taking out this girl, this girl, this girl, and couldn't make the big decision. And there are some guys that I've gotten a hold of and take them by the neck and say, you will ask this girl to marry you. She is like the best thing that could ever happen to your whole life. And I know some of you girls are saying, oh, please do that for my guy. Amen. <laughs> Actually, I know some of you are saying, do it with any guy. And, uh, <clears throat> and pick one out tonight. Amen. Listen to me. Guys, you're looking for a help me. But if there's nothing to help, she ain't going to meet you. Amen. She needs somebody with a vision. You know, and girls, I know this isn't true, but I think sometimes women are really wanting that caveman to come out here and just hit her on the head and carry her by the care and take her off to your cave. You know, I mean, there's got to be some leadership skills here. <laughs> That's my man. Woo, hot dog. No, it's not. I, I know it's not like that. I know it's not like that at all. But the deal is, some guys are so nervy and wimpy. Grow some hair. I know you thought I was going to say something else, but I mean hair, amen. All right, moving right along, out of relationships. Make the big decision. Big decisions call for, yeah, I'm really in that zone again, you know, but they call for, they call for big ones, amen. And you, you know, need, Guys and girls, I know some girls who got more than guys. And uh, but it, it does take courage to make a big decision, to buy the house, to take the job, to start the company. But you see, people are in love with startups. They're in love with the beginning and the notion. But it's the aftermath, the consistency of momentum. That is going to give you success, which means doing the same things that produce results again and again and again and not giving up, not letting go of momentum. Momentum is, is so sacred. It's fragile. Don't let anything stop momentum because once you've got it, you're moving forward. And I know when we used to get stuck in the sand, when we go to the surfing spot called the Gap at Castle Point, when we were young, to get out of the sand, we used maximum effort, but we'd only get a little few inches. With wheels spinning and everything going, we'd rock, bang, we're stuck trying to get it out. All of us pile out of the car, all 10 of us, you know, pushing, pushing, like surfers, you know, like trying to get to this wave that was so good. And we're pushing and we'd push it forward and then come back. We'd push it forward and come back. Push it forward and come back. Push it forward and then you just you feel everybody putting just that little extra effort in. We just feel it going over the top and boom. And then we're running alongside the car. Everybody's trying to jump in, especially the driver. And, uh, <laughs> And then we say, go! And they go, and you get momentum. And even when you get some soft sand, you're through it real quick. Because once you've got momentum, even the tough parts don't really get you stuck. Now, here's the thing. It's not just getting started for some people. It's getting out of being stuck. Because some people got stuck. I know a, very, a person very, very close to me. Everything they did at school, they were top. There were ducks of primary school, ducks of high school, which is, you know, top honors. They won cups. 
They were the most popular person, everything. They won everything, everything they put their hand to. Went to university and failed in their first year in one subject. In just in one subject, failed, but had never experienced failure before. Completely demolished them. Walked away from that course, walked away from the whole university experience and decided to go into education. But their, their confidence had been so destroyed, they went into their first classroom, got so nervous in front of all the students, had to walk out and retired from that position. Has never recovered in the last 30 years. Stuck. Stuck in a moment. I know people who failed in business, people who lost a loved one, people who got divorced, people who in their marriage, somebody was unfaithful and they're still married, but they got stuck, got stuck in that moment. And can't, still there, not, not here today, but in 30 years ago, oh, that only didn't happen. If only that, forget the if onlys. If I can be just a little bold and, and talk to you, not without sensitivity, believe me, I understand it's painful, some of these things. But honestly, come on, let's move on. Let's move on with our life. That's all gone. Let's forget it. I do a new thing, the Lord says. It's healed. You're, you're healed of it. Don't be a victim. Be a victor. Say, I'm over that now in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm through it now. I got a new life ahead of me. I'm going to get some momentum going in my life. I'm not going to stay stuck. And so you might say, yeah, that's what I'm going to do, pastor. I'm going to get out of that thing. So you go, room, you get, try and get out, and you push the car, maximum effort, oh, and then you rock back, and you're back in that old thing. Oh, that didn't work. No, do it again. And you're rocking backwards and forwards, and you... You wouldn't believe that that motion, just rocking backwards and forwards, gives you a little bit more the next time you push it up over the groove that you're stuck in. And then finally, whoa, you get a push and you're out and you're moving. You think, my God, I'm free of that thing. I'm not thinking about it anymore. I've got new friends. I'm making friends at work. I'm making more money. I'm, my, my work's good. I'm at church. I'm doing a connect group. My God, that thing's gone now. Amen. I'm free. Hallelujah. And you're down at church singing and dancing on the front row. I mean, the thing is, when you decide, I'm going to get out of being stuck. I'm going to make the big choice. I'm going to get a jump start on this year. God will empower you to do that. You got to make the choice to do it. Like these guys did in 2 Kings chapter 7. Uh, let's start at verse 3, and I'll give you the background rather than reading it to you. Now there were four leprous men at the entrance of the gate, and they said one to another, why do we sit here until we die? Everybody say that with me. Why do we sit here until we die? All right. Then, then they say, if we say we enter the city, then the famine is in the city, and we will die there. And if we will live there, and if they kill us, we will but die. They arose at twilight. Oh, sorry, I missed a line there. And if we sit here, we die also. Now, therefore, come, let us go over to the camp of the Arameans. If they spare us, we will live. If they kill us, we will but die. Then they arose at twilight to go to the camp. When they came to the outskirts of the camp, behold, there was no one there. For the Lord had caused the army of the Arameans to hear the sound of chariots and the sound of horses, even the sound of a great army, so that they said to one another, Behold, the king of Israel has hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the Egyptians to come upon us.
Therefore they arose and fled in the twilight and left their tents, horses, donkeys, even the camp as it was, and fled for their life. When these lepers came to the outskirts of the camp, they entered one tent and ate and drank and carried from their silver and gold and clothes and went and hid them. And they returned and entered another tent and carried from there more and went and hid them. And then they started eating turkeys and ham, all kinds of things. These guys were lepers, four of them, Bill, Joe, Tom, Harry. That's their Hebrew names. <laughs> They're sitting outside the gates of their city. Why? Because a guy called Ben-Hadad, the Assyrian, has surrounded the city in a military tactic called a siege. A siege was you siege a city with your army and you just stay there. You don't attack the city because they had big walls. So why bother having a big fight when we can just sit out here for three months, not let any food get in, and starve them to death? Cut off their water, find their water supply, cut that off, and we're good. They'll be dead within, within a few weeks. So the Israelites inside the city are all dying slowly. All the animals, they've eaten them all. All the dogs, all the cats, all the rats, they're down to that kind of food. In fact, they've eaten all, all the donkeys, everything else except the head. And it says in the previous part of that chapter, an ass's head was being sold for $50, which... Honestly, these days I've seen people pay 3,000 bucks for an ass's head of thinking, and uh, a lot more expensive. But they were paying a lot of money for junk food. And then a pint of doves dung. They were paying 10 bucks for that. A pint of doves dung. That was to cook the ass's head for fuel. But doves dung is what the Holy Spirit has rejected. And you'll see people paying a big price for that sometimes too. They are in the city in a famine. They've caught a famine that's been caused by the siege. So they don't want to feed anybody who's going to die anyway. They don't want to feed a leper. He's dead man. So they pushed these four lepers, Tom, Joe, Bill, and Harry, I know you remember their names, out the front of the gate. And they said, you guys, get out. You're going to die we don't want to feed you. You're no good in it. It's our army people. You can't do business with anybody. You're going to infect us all. So just out. They shut them outside. Rejects. Marginalized people. Stuck. No momentum at all in their life. Not going anywhere. Only place they go in is to die. Sitting at the wall. Bill, Joe, Tom, and Harry had the little quartet playing on their ribs and singing a song. Whatever. They're there, and one of them, Bill, he says, why sit we here till we die? Gets a motivating thought. Decides to make a big decision to get some momentum in their life. Because God moves in your moving. When you get momentum, you get God moving with you. If you do nothing, nothing will happen. So you've got to do something. You've got to go and talk to your family about Jesus. You got to go and ask the boss for a raise. Nobody on the front row heard that. <laughs> you have got to, you've got to go and 
do something. Because God will move when you start to move. Don't be sitting around waiting for God to do something when you're doing nothing. It doesn't work like that. As you take a step, he takes a step. You take another step, he takes the other step. He empowers you as you start to move. Why sit we here until we die? If you are coming to this church every week and simply sitting here each week, you're moving towards that kind of end. Activity is what God wants in your life. Serving in the house of God as a volunteer, picking up a connect group, doing something that's going to challenge you and stretch you. Make this year a year where you grow and you stretch and you enlarge and you increase and you step out, except, you know, you want to increase in some areas and not in others. I mentioned on New Year's Day here on New Year's Eve, anyway, the prayer that I prayed last year was, Lord, uh, can you, Lord, help me get a nice slim skinny body and a big fat bank balance and don't get it mixed up like you did last year <laughs> but the deal is when we make a choice God starts to move with us it's not just about praying there's a time to pray there's a time to get up off your face and start to say God I'm going to do this now and you will find that something starts to move with you a power starts to move with you these guys said, let's go out. Instead of sitting here, they don't, we're going to die if we go back in the city. They'll kill us there. Let's go to the enemy. Let's face our greatest fears. That is one of the greatest things you'll ever do in your life. Just go and face the thing you fear the most. Make the phone call you don't want to make. The relationship that broke down and you're nervous and afraid of... Face your fears. Face the things that are the greatest threat to your world. And say, let's talk about this. Let's have a conversation. Let's discuss this matter. Can we talk? I just don't want to tell you what I thought went wrong. I want to tell you where I went wrong. You don't go in there accusing. You don't go trying to fix them up. You just say, this is where I made a mistake. Or this is how I blew it. I did that with my parents when I came to Christ. I said, I'm sorry I was such an idiot when I was a teenager. I'm not sure it helped everything, you know, but they certainly seemed to warm up a little to the idea of me being a Christian. And so I tried to set a few things right that were difficult and awkward to do, emotionally challenging. But when you face your fears and make the tough, big decisions, you start to get momentum. So they said, let's go to the camp of the Arameans. They might kill us. They may not. We're going to die if we stay here. What have we got to lose? And that's a really good question to ask yourself about making a big decision that jumpstarts your life. What have I got to lose? And the man who fears losing nothing, the man is the most dangerous person on earth. The person who will lay down his life, the devil didn't realize this. That Jesus, who was prepared to lay down his life for what he believed in, became his most dangerous enemy. And we become the most dangerous enemy to the devil when we're prepared to lose anything and everything. What have we got to lose? You got your soul and you got your salvation for eternity. Nobody can take that from you. No one in heaven or hell can remove that from you. You're safe in the Father's hand. So there's nothing else worth more than that in eternity. 
which we will not even begin to understand until we're there. What do we got to lose? So Bill, it was Bill's idea. He said, follow me. So they all came up, followed him. Now they're walking across this gravel between them and the enemy. So it's, it's kind of, and it's twilight. It's that quiet time, just as the sun's coming. That's how it sounds. And when you multiply that times four, it's, it's like that. Beatbox, man. You know, that sort of thing. All right, so they're, they're walking and Joe at the back is more timid. He goes, oh, he's quiet. They'll throw a spear at us, you know, kebab. And uh, so, so they start walking quietly. They're walking across the sand like that. They started to be quiet. Don't walk. But God started to move with these guys. It said the Lord made the sound of chariots and horses. So God took what they were doing and ran it through his system. So he said, hey, angels, all my roadies, come to me. Amen. And they all came out. He said, set us up. I want, I want the biggest speaker system over here, the, the one that's like as big as Russia. And the other one that's as big as North America. Stick that over there. And I want the amplifier, the one that's as big as New Zealand. Okay, and put it down there. I want all the knobs to turn up to 11. All right, as, as loud as you can get it. And give me that microphone. Michael, put the microphone down by the there's feet of those lepers down there because somebody's doing something finally. They're not just sitting in that city stuck behind those walls. Don't they realize I'm the God of heaven and earth and I can wipe out an entire nation of enemies if they just make a move. If somebody would just make a move. If somebody will take a step. So they go like... Like this across the thing. But once God says, okay, guys, put the speakers over the enemy's heads. Flick the switch. Turn the microphone on. So these guys go to the ears of the enemy. It sounded sounded like an army coming towards them. And they're going, my God, there's an army in the night. Coming through the dark, there's a whole army. Listen to the chariot. This is just four leprous feet barely touching the ground. Your timid little steps, no matter how timid you might feel, you're doing something. You're stepping out. And here's my point. God will amplify and multiply your weakest effort as long as you make an effort to step out and do something in 2013. Don't just sit there until you die. You've got to do something by the power of the Holy Spirit. You'll be energized. You'll be boosted. You'll be jump-started in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said... Thanks for listening to the C3 Church Podcast. 
visit us online at myc3church.net. Join us next time for more great teaching.